Welcome to the Outrage Science Bites podcast, a companion podcast to the Outrage Overload podcast. This is day 10 of the NAPOD POMO Challenge. That's National Podcast Post Month. It's a 30-day challenge to post an episode, a podcast episode, every day in the month of November. And so this is episode 10 of that challenge. So today we're going to talk about outrage porn, which we mentioned on an earlier Science Bites episode, but we're going to drill down onto it, onto that topic some more and talk about what it is, how we get, how we become some scientific ways, reasons, explanations for how we get susceptible to it, how we get addicted to it, what some of the negative consequences are. And briefly, a few ideas of maybe some ways to better deal with it. Now, that's the whole Outrage Overload podcast topic or theme or premise or those things. You know, outrage porn and how to deal with it. You know, what it is and how to deal with it. And what we talk to scientists and others. So, you know, we're not going to be able to cover everything about this in one bite. So if, if this is an Outrage Science Bite about it, then the Outrage Overload podcast is sort of the meal, the buffet, maybe a maybe a whole whole season of buffets. Because uh, there's so much and so much research and so much science about it. But we're going to kind of do a quick overview of it all today in one science bite. And we'll try to keep this down to a, a bite. We'll try to keep it bite-sized. So first, I'll reiterate again what outrage porn is. I mentioned it already in one of the earlier Science Bite episodes, and I'll just cover it again. So it's the type of content that's designed to elicit strong emotional reactions. And these are typical, typically anger, disgust, moral outrage, moral indignation. And now we often, maybe you've heard that term, maybe you've heard rage porn, maybe you've heard anger porn, um, something like that. And... Um, so often this is talked about in the context of that it's a social media phenomenon. And I just want to point out that it goes way beyond social media. Social media is a place where it maybe goes viral quickly, but this type of messaging, this type of content that is trying to elicit these strong emotional reactions exists in political campaigns, it exists in TV, partisan news, uh, online news, uh, it exists in obviously social media spaces, it exists in real life, like we find this in conversations with friends and, um, you know, political conversations, this type of content comes up. So outrage porn is more than just a social media phenomenon. So it's content designed to trigger those reactions and ultimately produce outrage. And so here's some of the reasons why we're susceptible to it. And then this is a short list. We're not going to go through it all, but, and we mentioned this earlier, the idea of negativity bias. So a lot of scientific research has shown that for some reason we are wired to pay more attention to negative things. Uh, this is the theory here is because the idea is that negative information would be more relevant to our survival. Like, you know, if something bad is happening, we want to know what that is. So we see a snake, need to pay attention to it in order to avoid being bitten, that kind of thing. And we think that's where this negativity bias comes from but we have an innate this is innate in us it's just something that we do another another thing that happens here is is what can be referred to as emotional hijacking so this is when we're exposed to the outrage porn this content that's designed to elicit those strong emotional reactions that 
triggers our amygdala. That's the part of the brain that's responsible for fear and emotion, and that becomes activated. Uh, This can lead to physiological arousal, such as increased heart rate and blood pressure. And that can actually be sort of a pleasurable thing, and we may become drawn to it for that reason. And the third big one that I'll talk about is basically the feedback. So if we're getting positive feedback from it in our in our filter bubbles, in our you know, within our network, these are these are very strong that's very strong positive reinforcement. We are very groupy people, we as a species, we and that connectivity, we see that as a way to connect. And that makes us feel connected to others, to a group. And so that is a very strong uh, factor in why we tend to gravitate and even seek out this outrage porn, often without even knowing we're doing it. It helps reinforce many of our beliefs and our connectivity and community with others, with others that share those views. And I guess it's those same things that sort of make us somewhat addicted to it, right? So this, that psychological, uh, sorry, the physiological arousal that I mentioned, that can be addictive. And we can find ourselves craving it and that positive reinforcement so that if we're in the social media context, if we're getting likes, if we're getting uh, shares, this kind of feedback, this can lead us to becoming more addicted to doing it more and sharing that kind of content more. But this can also, we also seek this out in other contexts, as I noted. And of course, that seems to have this positive, it feels like that feels good, right? I'm going to take this outrage porn. It makes me feel good to be mad about this morally, things that's making me morally outraged. But it, the long-term consequences are not good or the secondary negative effects that has on our mental and physical health. And that includes, um, so we become angrier and aggression, and this can be, that can, you know, sort of get in the way of, of um, our personal and professional lives. The increased stress and anxiety, so we talk about this a lot, and uh, obviously stress has been shown to, and anxiety has been shown to lead to all kinds of symptoms, physical, mental, headaches, stomach aches, sleeping problems, sleeping, all kinds of problems uh, arise from too much stress and anxiety. Outrage porn can make us less empathetic towards others, so this can lead to problems in our relationships, make it difficult to build a sense of community outside your bubble. And once some of those base level aspects of our brain are triggered, this can reduce our ability to, to perform critical thinking. So we can become more reliant on the information that gives us what we want, and this can make us susceptible to misinformation and propaganda. And so what can we do about it? Well, you know, we have a whole podcast about this, and we talk to a lot of different scientists and researchers about ideas, but a few of the recurring themes I'll mention here, and we'll keep this episode short. So, you know, obviously you can avoid being part of the problem by being more mindful of what you share on social media and even what kind of stuff you're saying in other contexts. You know, ask yourself, is this content, does this content qualify as outrage porn? And if so, why am I sharing it? Should I be sharing it? Maybe don't share it. Secondly, you can can take breaks. 
particularly from social media, but you can also take breaks from television news. You can take breaks from online news. Uh, so there's nothing wrong with, with taking breaks. I mean, um, you know, the, the, don't let the FOMO take over the fear of missing out. Um, believe me, it'll still be there when you come back. And that can maybe give you a little more time to reflect on what kind of stuff you're consuming and whether it's in the big picture of benefit to you. And then you can also seek out sort of non-outrage porn content, right? So instead of focusing on the negative, try to go find some some more positive content. And when I say positive content, I don't necessarily mean content that confirms your, your prior beliefs or, you know, in other words, a version of, of some version of selective uh, media or some version of selective uh, exposure, I should say, and some version of confirmation bias, but, but focus on just positive content um, that isn't framing things in a sort of hostile or disaster kind of mode and try to rile you up with, um, with fear and outrage. And maybe you can look at some non-political things, uplifting stories, listen to music, and spending time with folks you love outside the context of political conversations or other ways, other forms of outrage porn. So we'll keep this episode short. I know a few of have gone a little long. So we'll keep this one short and, and end there. So just outrage porn in your life, kind of here's some, some of the science about why we sort of get addicted to it, why we become attached to it, why, why we like it, and but not but keeping in mind those negative effects of it and then some tricks, uh, some simple ways to maybe help avoid it. So if you like this kind of content, you may enjoy the long-form Outrage Overload podcast, which is a podcast about outrage in society, outrage in politics, and lowering the temperature. And that you can find that at outrageoverload.net. That's also where you can find past episodes and links to Outrage Science Bites. If you scroll down at outrageoverload.net, there's a link to Outrage Science Bites at the bottom of the page. And you can go, go look for all the other episodes of this little Outrage Science Bites show. Okay, thanks for listening, and look for another episode tomorrow.